and welcome back to a special episode of The Square. Uh, yeah, interview time, baby. Yeah, we haven't done an interview in a couple of weeks, so uh, not a real deal. Not a real deal interview, you know, like not a. I guess we have. I don't know, but I, anyway, whatever. This is a real deal interview. We are in the house. It's Re Diamond Jim and our special guest, Fillmore District Council Member Mitch Nowakowski. Mitch. I love, I, I love anything that's special. Like, if you can, it's that, is this special? I'm here for, uh, you know, just something uh, to check in with you guys and nothing too pre-planned. Yeah. Having a beer with my bros. Yeah, I mean, it's great having you, having you here. We can check in. I mean, I don't, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention, but there's been a couple of things going on in the city. Just a few. Yeah. A couple uh, squabbles. I was yeah, going to ask, I was gonna ask what's up, how you been, yeah. but I guess, like, it's in the newspaper, so... Well, <laughs> I guess like, you know, well, I'll, I'll ease into it. So, I mean, personally, I mean, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm running for my second you know, term and I'm running unopposed. And um, it's really awesome to be able to. It took four years to like you start out with this agenda. You want to see change. And then now you're starting to see kind of the fruits of your labor. You're starting to see projects off the ground. You're starting to see infrastructure work happening. Um, you're more established. Your constituents understand. Um what they can expect from you. You've built a rapport with them. And so it takes the um, kind of like the pressure off to just to just keep doing what you're doing and um, to work hard and, and, you know, kind of drill down on your agenda. And, you know, we've kind of gotten through where the way either, I don't know if it's like the history of politics of Buffalo or because we're very small, it seems that it's like everything is like blame your council member. Mm-hmm. Like, and so when you take those calls and answer those emails and, um, or it can be, it can feel like you're just never making anyone happy and you're not accomplishing anything. So I think that now with my office and what I've been able to do, I've been able to balance it. I feel like I can be the local council member that still will show up on your doorstep. If you email me with something at four o'clock in the morning and have that rapport with my constituents, um, and then still be a lawmaker too. Yeah. A, I mean, that's, yeah, I, I bring that up a lot, a lot that like the council members are like, you guys get the most constituent calls of any office. Oh yeah. Um, you know, some people call their state reps, not that many. Very few people call their congressmen. I called mine last week because I had an issue, but I was like, hey, Walt, I need you to help me with something. Uh, but we solved it, like, within one day. Uh, although the easiest is, as much as, like, you know, a lot of people, like, Mark Polonkars might have, like, the hardest job in local politics. County ledge, for the most part, one of the easier positions, unless mm-hmm. there's, like, a Joel Giamber red-green budget. Um, because, <laughs> like, nobody calls your office. Because nobody knows what a county legislator does, so nobody's calling your office or anything. Well, yeah. And- and everybody identifies with their council member. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, if you wanted to really keep in touch with your council member, you could follow the, uh, as a Twitter user referred to it as, Soviet-style propaganda. Oh, my goodness. On their YouTube channel, The oh Coffee with the Council. Uh, t- can, can, I, can I just, like, can I bite on that for a little bit? Yeah. Oh, please. So um, we have a really good central. I, was a, I worked for central staff before I was elected. I mean, before that, I worked for David Rivera. But um, we have a really good young staff that wants to do comms and wants to get out there and wants to connect with people. So... Um, we had a few people that, that work for staff that work in the news, and they really want to do public access, and mm-hmm. they want to do a show. They want to be able to promote stuff and cut it up and put it on your social media. Um, and so that they're really passionate about that, and I really want to like support um, I want to support the staff to make sure that they, that they know that council members care. And um, so when I saw that, I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I had to tell the staff, I'm like, don't take that personal. And, and people could say the meanest things on Twitter. Um, it is useful. It's public access. And. You know, we also use those, you know, to put on our socials. So yeah, yeah, but Soviet styles. Oh, and I was wearing red. <laughs> I was wearing a red zip up. Yeah, 
Chair- I was wearing a red Lacoste zip-up. Chairman Mitch. Chairman Mitch. Oh, my goodness. Mitch's little red book. Mitch handing out throughout like, the film. Oh, my right. goodness. Oh, my goodness. If you can only see what I've written in that book. If you can only know the secrets I've written in that burn book. Oh man! Just At hit- this point, I I have such such thick skin that I really do laugh about it. Like I used to see my like comments about myself on like Twitter and be like, "This is so funny," <laughs> and like cry. And now I'm like, you know what? That was actually a good one. Yeah. Someone has a personality behind that anonymous name. You know? Yeah, for sure. We're gonna have like a Byron Brown struggle session soon. Don't worry. <laughs> Jeez, getting me in trouble already. <laughs> Oh, yes. No. Council, it's, dude, yeah. Who'd have thought? Like, I, the age of the internet has turned even the city of Buffalo Common Council into, like, just constant, you know, you're, you're under siege. Do you, all right, how, the people actually call. They're, they're, yeah. There's no way they're like the people that are on Twitter. Right? No, no, they call. They call, they text, they email. Everyone in the world has my cell phone number. Um, and it's one of the, in, it's, it's, you know, that you've reached people is when they're just like, hey, Mitch, like, you know, your friend from the seventh grade. Um, but I also, you know, I, I care about it a lot. Like the Fillmore district is like, you know, it's like my, my kid. I feel like I know every nook and cranny. I know where to go. I know what the needs are. Um, and, uh, so it's like, uh, you know, I really love my district and it's really unique and I take a real sense of responsibility, but I always love when someone goes on a rant and sends me like a huge long email and it's intense and it's, and then they'll like, you leave me their address and the next day I show up, I'm like, Hey, how are you? Is, is Murray home? I, 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 I didn't know you were going to read that. Well, well, you sent it to my government address. Well, you're on my porch now. I usually just see you on the news. So, well, I'm your council member. My name's on the door. How can I help you? Huh. Well, and then it's usually not as bad as, as they felt because they need to let it out. And, right. You know. This isn't like, really about me, is it, Marie? This isn't yeah. about me. This like, is I'm more of a you, you thing. Yeah. Let's have a cup of, let's have a cup, pot of coffee here right. and, 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 you know, and see how we can figure this out. Yeah, I'm just going to add you to my little red book. <laughs> little red book. <laughs> Oh, if it were only so simple, constituent services and and Twitter um, broadsides. Yeah. If if only it were that, Mitch. But it's not just that, is it? These days for you. No, you got to create policy, and um, you got to work hard and, and think abstractly, and um, but also uh, produce things and be accountable, yeah. and not be afraid to speak up. No, well, as, as they say, you know, uh, uh, friction makes fire. And uh, or, or I say it. That's just right. some shit that I made up. Right. <laughs> They're gonna be like a quote. I I, w- I would love for my name somehow to be attached to some like quote generator. You know how on Google like you search a name and like there's just a quote attached to it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, or the, there was one of the robber barons was like, "Don't wait till the iron is hot. Strike the iron to make it hot. <laughs> Strike the iron, make it hot." Yeah. yeah. But okay, so we got a little friction and and perhaps some fire in the city of Buffalo Common Council. Uh, with the council member Nowakowski and, well, certain comptroller. <clears throat> Got into a little bit of a scuffle. A little bit of a tiff. Yeah. A little bit of a thing. Yeah. So you may well know that uh, I'm the chairman of civil service, and it was brought to my attention from an investigative reporter that there was a employee who got paid uh, over about $600,000 to be on administrative leave for seven and a half years that was in the, the fire department. Queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just kidding. Just well, kidding. The, the Twitter comments were like, how do I be here? I'm like, oh my God, I can't read these. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I knew immediately that I had to do my due diligence. And so I took the information I took to the administration and said, what's going on here? And we were able to identify that 
that she does exist, that this did happen, and she's back to work. And so not only, you know, did I, did I know that I had to do my due diligence and confirm that, but that I had to make sure that if there smoke there, that there wasn't fire. And to make sure that this is uh, not prevalent and not uh, being abusive throughout all of city government, these are taxpayer dollars. This is very serious. And, uh, you know, we have to work on the behalf of the public. And, uh, you know, $600,000 is something that would go far in my district on fixing up parks and infrastructure and lighting. And um, so I had clocked in a resolution that basically... You know, and I'm still one of those those electeds. Like I was a staffer before, so I I sometimes write my own resolutions, and I'm up in like a madman until midnight. And I had uh, crafted a resolution that stated the argument. You know, referred to um, you know bullet points that 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 articulated what exactly happened, and then also um, in the in the um, end of it was to ask the city controller, which was request. I used it in the form of a noun which is, if you look at the Webster's Dictionary, was a polite way to ask of something. And, um, you know, in the city charter, the city controller is the person that is instructed to audit, investigate these, and be our watchdog for taxpayer dollars, and, and has chartered responsibilities that are outlined on how to interact with city departments, um, what it looks like, their powers, and so I laid that out. So... I clocked in the resolution, and I'm going to talk about it, and then words get back to me. Because, you know, Buffalo is a large living room, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. when you talk trash, it gets back. And so I heard from some people that the controller had some uh, harsh things to say about me and about this, this where it should be, you know, very, it should be her natural response should have been like, I'm going to get on top of this. This is my job. This is my duty. It's the so, first time she had to do her job. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the controller is one of those people on Twitter saying, how do I get this job? <laughs> So, so, so I got, I got mad, you know, I was feeling passionate about it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm I'm taking these personal insults. I'm like, what's going on here? So I went on there and I said, look, you know, number one, I, you know, stated my claim of why this was important. Number two, the role of the controller. The third, that it was a request. And also I'm at the point in my career is if you got something to say to something to a reporter or the press, you could come to my, I'm in 1410. You could say, I'm a big boy. You could say it to my face, and we can have you know dialogue there. So I I popped off. I got feisty. Um, I I said, you know, just do it. We need people in city hall that are just going to come to work and do their jobs. That's not that complex, and that we uh, need to shake off some senioritis, and we need to have fortitude, and we need to do our jobs. And I take my job very seriously. And these are taxpayer jobs. And um, that, in the words of Jeff Kelly, started and ignited a war of words. Mm. Troller, the, the deadliest wars. Yeah, the one, the one of words. Yeah. So that went back and forth in the press, and um, it seemed that for a for a week that the controller wasn't going to do it. She was going to do a narrow investigation, and um, so I had referred my resolution to talk about it in committee. So it would go the next following Tuesday. And I had requested that the controller herself come. Her name's on the door. Her name's on the ballot. It's important for her to demonstrate to the public that she takes this very seriously and that she's going to investigate. And it, I got a letter back, and I got word from the press of, why is he asking me that? Why are you asking me that? I'm going to send um, you know, my staff or my deputies. And to me, it was a opportunity for the controller to come there in front of council and, say, and demonstrate to the public that she takes this seriously and... 
um, and, and provide confidence in her department, provide confidence in her, and that if there was technical questions that she could refer to her, the, you know, the appropriate staff to, that, that are there. Um, she did not show up. So at that time, we had dialogue with the, uh, with the city auditor, and, and he had taken it from there. You know, as much as we uh, revere our queen of, of do nothing here, Jim, uh, look, the fact of the matter is that whole fiasco, that whole just complete, absolute, utter mess, and whatever whatever backstory is behind it, I don't think we'll ever truly know how somebody was, well, for seven, whatever, seven, six and a half years, basically paid on the books. Nobody, everybody looked the other way about it, right? The city of Buffalo already looks like a clown car to too many people outside of Buffalo, too many people inside of Buffalo. And you see that story on the news. Like, let's just say you're, you know, Rick dipshit out in like Marilla, right. <laughs> just to use a place. And you see that story and you're like, uh-huh. Yep. That's exactly why I live in Marilla. Now, if you live in Marilla, you've got a whole other bunch of problems, but the, the point remains like it is a, it, it is a stain on the city of Buffalo, the whole fiasco where you just have somebody who just sits on the payroll, does nothing. You need somebody. You need you need the contract. You need the person who's in charge of the finances to come out and say, this is what happened. Here's why it's not going to happen again. And, and look, you know, mistakes happen. Things happen. And it happened. We had two controllers and multiple councils and uh, multiple commissioners. Things happen. So to me, it, it's like you get in front of it. You say, look, right. I'm not going to hear to to cast blame or point fingers, but how do we get to the bottom of it and how do we make sure that we're protecting taxpayer dollars moving forward? And that was the reaction that I just thought should come naturally. And I do love the city of Buffalo. Well, and and I, like you, you said, know, who else, how many other people could this be? Like how many other people are on the payroll who are not showing up to work? Like, like legitimately, because or if what bargaining agreements are enabling that yes. or, or what rules and regulations or um, that, that are there that need to be changed or what internal controls were, you know, not used. We need to have these conversations. We need to have dialogue. Right, not right. everything can happen by a backslap and a and a text. I need to know, and the public needs to know. Right. I mean, because you're not you're not blaming the controller no, for this at all. I mean, like, it, look, it, it really it comes down to like you know executive leadership and somebody in like personnel has to know that this is going on for this long and not doing anything about it or not bringing this up to anybody's attention. Uh, but like you know, the controller's job, as the charter said, like you are the person who has to do the audits. You're the person who has to do these investigations. You know, like you can't like do it yourself. I mean, the state controller came in and audited the the town of Amherst for their employees not uh, participating in sexual harassment. So I'm thinking to myself, if if the state controller comes in and audits that, then why would we not have an audit for paid right. leave? Right, right. And also, like, am I taking crazy pills? No, but no. Or, but also, like, you know, like you know, if I'm the city controller and like you come to me and say, hey, we need to do this, and I know that the state controller is willing to come in and do stuff in individual towns and municipalities, I would want to do it before I get, you know, before the state comes in and says, all right, you sit in the corner now, and I take over your office. Mm -hmm. Well, and l listen, not for nothing, like, look, even if Barbara Miller Williams, will, Barbara Miller Williams, excuse me, was like some newly elected, you know, neophyte to politics, even then you'd say, okay, you still have to be accountable or you still have to be public facing bmw has been in elected roles for what 20 odd years jim yeah I mean, something like that like on and off yeah. yeah 25 yeah like this is not somebody this is somebody who has been in elected office who knows they have to show a public face mm -hmm. like maybe this is their first time as a comptroller or like a financial role in government but still all the same knows that hey there's got to be accountability like this is somebody 
this whole thing blows my mind, mm-hmm. frankly, that this individual can say, yep, nope, but let me send one of my staffers. I, I'm not going to show up. Like, wouldn't you want to put your face on and say, yeah, I'm on it. I'm on it. Yeah. Trust me, I'm on it. I'm on it. I care about it, and I'm going to make sure that my office. So, as that has transpired, as that transpired, uh, the controller did submit a list of questions and, and and is keeping the council briefed and doing and doing transparency and what they're requesting from the mayor and and you know has given the administration pretty pretty quick de- turnaround deadline for, to obtain the documents um, that she needs to do the investigation and. The mayor has, as you guys read last week, came out with a series of uh, solutions that he believes that he can do to make sure that this never happens. And so it was one of those things where it was like, okay, check. I did, you know, if I got to get feisty, if I got to, mm-hmm. you know, ring the alarm bell, if I got to, you know, do this and, and it makes things um, happen in City Hall, then what? I'm, that's what I'm there to do. Yeah, where on his list of solutions was moved to Buff State? <laughs> speculation, speculation, <laughs> speculation. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I mean, like, yeah, you want to get out. I mean, it, it look, it is easier for you know uh, BMW right now because you know, she is you know up for election this year, but unopposed. So it is easier for her to hide. If she hasn't had an opponent, she can't hide. She'd have to come out and, and answer these questions. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see like what comes out of it, and you know, you if. You would think if you know if I'm the city controller again and I put myself in her shoes, if there are more of these cases out there, I want to find it before Jeff Kelly finds it again. Yeah, and I and exactly, and that's why I was like, should we get this guy a stipend for mm-hmm. for doing this? I mean, this is all public data now. Yeah, and you know, I think that there was one quote where she said, "Well, the common council can't tell me to do this. I'm not." telling you to do anything i'm requesting i'm used in the form of a noun i know what the role and responsibility of the council is and i know that the council does have investigative powers Mm -hmm. but we don't have auditors on our staff so i i I can't and we do have subpoena power but if i do use the subpoena power i do get the votes to subpoena who i need to do that do i actually have the staff to do does the why don't we're not staffed to do that right i mean yeah that's yes that we have the investigative powers yes we have subpoena power but do we have the staff to actually adequately do that right i mean that's why a controller's office exists correct you know i mean so You know, I mean, you, you see at the county level the, the exact opposite approach being done by the controller, like where, you know, you know, the county controller, Hardwick, taking a proactive and looking into the, and heading into a fight with Mickey. Mickey about the clerk's office where Mickey's like, well, no, you can't look at my books. And he's like, no, that's literally how, like, this works is I get to look at all the books. And, like, oh, it turns out, like, you know, maybe was a, there was a reason why Mickey didn't want to look at the books. Well, see, Mickey's used to a, you know, controller system where they like, kind of look the other way. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, mean, I can understand his confusion. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. It, Stefan was definitely not looking at Mickey's books. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, this is just an absolute, like, spectacle. Right. Like, let's just call it what it is. You see it on the news and you're just like, yep, city of Buffalo. Absolute tire fire. And and that's not true. We live, I live in the city of Buffalo. You're representative in the city of Buffalo. But just by appearances alone for the people who live in the city, people outside the city, like this is, it's so comical. This, this, this story. And just so you know, I got a large rea- I've been in office for four years and I could not leave my house if I was in the produce section or pouring beer in the old first ward or out with, to getting a hot dog with my grandma. People stopped me and were like, we really appreciate that someone's there keeping their eye on their things and ringing the bell because I think that there's this there's this perception out there that no one's listening and no one cares and it's business as usual. So I fight against that grain all the time, and I do that by just putting my head down and doing the work. Right. And so it felt good 
when people were like, no, we, we see what you're, what you're doing here. And, you know, I want to change that, that, that narrative. Right. I mean, and you know, $600,000, look, it's, it's not millions of dollars. It's not like, it's not a, a, which we might get into later with ARP funds, but like, Mm. uh, but like, you know, over seven and a half years, you know, you're talking, you know, that is well above the median income for the city, city of Buffalo. And so like, yeah, it might, it might be $600,000 to be good projects for different districts or also just like in, in jobs, in city government, if you actually had somebody there doing work, that's a good income for somebody to actually to do the work. And, you know, as you know, a lot of people who have been in government and in politics, and when you have even like much larger numbers, those numbers don't make sense to people because they don't know what they could do with that, right? And like, you know, we talk about like, oh, well, you know, there's a, a $600 million gap or like a, a billion dollar, like those numbers are Mickey Mouse numbers. They, nobody can fathom that. They, they, don't, they don't, like, at a certain number, you know, like the Powerball, like, well, I'll just buy like a gold-plated car and I'll park it next to my gold-plated jet because like I can afford anything. I have infinite money. But $600,000, people are like, well, I don't make any like close to that a year, but I know that over like, you know, six or seven years or 10 years, I can make, and I know what I could do if, you know, if I could make that much money over seven years, I know, I know how they could affect my life. They can wrap their head around that number. It's, it's a large number, but it's not so large that it's impossible for people to grasp. Yeah, and where, where I was like kind of perplexed was like, if this person is in your department and they're getting paid out of your budget and you're down a person wouldn't you wouldn't you feel that yeah wouldn't you say oh my god i don't have someone processing or i i mean, I mean i'm down you, you would think if nothing at some point it would have been brought up because like after you know a couple of months not after years but after a couple of months you've got like if you really need that position you ask for a double fill mm-hmm. you know and so, like and then that shows up in your budget committees right yeah. and, and and that needs council approval so like what was going on there that like that this was just going on and and apparently wasn't impact, or I'm sure it was impacting the way the office was run, um, but you know, just nobody was doing anything about. It. Like, it, it, it's very concerning. Uh, and the the one I think is that, like, you know, people who read about, like, that I know, like, people I've talked to, like, really makes them upset, is that this entire time this person was just banking all their PTO. Correct, because you still get accruals. Right. So you, so they're just banking all their accruals. So like, yeah, all right. Well, they haven't been here for seven and a half years, and after seven and a half years. Uh, they now don't have to show up for like the next eight months if they don't want to, anyways, because they've got that much banked. It's infuriating. Like somebody knows, somebody knows. Uh, probably a lot of somebody's know what the story is. We might not ever find out the full details of this, but like somebody knows, and more importantly, we should know. You live in the city of Buffalo, you should know how we drop the ball. Like you, there has to be some kind of accounting on this. Like, like full stop. There can't be. You can't half-ass it. You can't try to hide behind this. Like you need to say, here's what happened. Because otherwise, I am never going to trust the city of Buffalo to do anything competent again. Like, and this is me, but also the average person in Buffalo or well, outside. Well, yeah, and I think your point is like answering and saying how this happened and why why this happened is important. Because if not, you're just going to open it up to people like coming up with rumors and ideas. Yeah, innuendo. And you right. don't want yeah. right. And then and then. All that does is further erode any public trust of all the different institutions in the state. Like, you know, 
you know, okay, like, you know, maybe not the council's office because you, you're taking a strong point, but like the mayor's office, personnel department, human resources, the controller, but also like, you know, this was in the fucking fire department. You don't, you, that like of all the departments, this is one, maybe the ones you want the people to trust the most. And you what look, you know, there's, I, you know, we can deep dive into, you know, the erosion of public trust and, and its correlation to low voter turnout. Yeah. And when we have low voter turnout, we don't get good candidates win or we get the candidates that we don't want to win. Right. So that it, it's all really kind of cyclical and we need to we need to keep our eye on the ball and, and really make sure that we restore public confidence in, in our institutions. Well, more to come on this, hopefully. More to come. Yeah. yeah. The investigation is will be clocked in um, whenever it is complete. Um, so I'm going to be, you know, watching what the controller does. And when she, uh, she does submit uh, findings in a report, I'll be clocking into my committee and, and, and share the civil service and make sure that we have dialogue and, and that we, we figure out what's going on here. Is there any kind of time frame on this or is it just, I mean, it's at their, their discretion, unfortunately? So the uh, controller did put a deadline on to obtain the information from the administration, I believe, next week. And I put in um, my original resolution for like a, a time frame of November 16th for the findings to be cl clocked in. So, um, you know, and that's like the one thing in City Hall. I'm like, we, we need time frames here. So is it 30, 60, 90? Just let me know so that I can, so that, I, you know, we can all model the behavior of, of what to expect. So um, I know that, you know, we'll be moving and, and having dialogue as that proceeds forward. Yeah. Well, more to come and, and we'll certainly talk about it, Jim, when the time comes. Just because, I mean, look, this story has legs, right? Like, this this thing made it all over the place. This, this was, like, a huge international media story. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, because you, you got, like, garbage places like the Daily Mail. I was like, they, am I quoted as the Daily Mail? Right? Yes. And, going, and, and, and they can't wait to, like, run with, like, government, like, what they're portrays government incompetence. Like, uh, that that makes their day. Like, uh, you know, it's nothing turns them on more. Like they're like all the page three girls in the world. Don't turn them on as much as a potential government competence <laughs> story. Yeah. My Google or Yahoo news. I was like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my Lord. Well, if, if that were, but the only thing Mitch, that was going on <laughs> in civic engagement life for you, if, if only talk to us about, we, we have uh, on the big board, the Wawa letter. Okay. The acronym that just, polarized city hall so another one i call uh some of the staffers the kids you know so they're a little bit younger than me and they are like you know we're, we're, we're tracking um the storm response from the city so multiple council members have the prerogative to clock in anything that they want and and ask for the administration uh whatever appropriate department had to come in to talk about it and so as you guys know that i was very passionate about hiring an emergency manager mm -hmm. and making mm -hmm. sure that we had that established position uh chris galen and i uh, you know um, you know, we're, we're passionate about that. The mayor wanted a fleet manager. Um, Brian Bowman was passionate about uh, warming shelters that were in his district. All of us were concerned about equipment, a lot of things that we need to talk about, right? And to make sure that we're prepared for uh, snow and to make sure that we also the snow plan and, and making sure that, you know, that, that we, after a blizzard, look inward. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that's like the one thing is where, you know, you're not always going to get it right. And what I was, you know, taught growing up is, you know, figure out what you didn't do and then do better next time. And I think people respect that and that's what people expect out of us. So it seemed where that there was a group of council members and, and the, the, the ones that kind of coalesce each other, me, David Rivera, um, Rashid White and Brian Bowman. And we're like, look, we're just not getting anywhere where 
we feel like we're getting the adequate answers. And these are things that are that I'm being asked at Black Club. Hey, do we have enough equipment to plow our streets? And is there a cost-sharing agreement? And, you know, the Buffalo Public Schools, you know, around the corner would be great for a warming shelter if something happened. And um, all these questions. And we just weren't getting the answers. So um, the four of us signed on to a letter called WAWA, Where Are We At?, to just bluntly say, where are we at? How many? Where are we at with equipment? Where are we at with these shelters? And it seemed where we were going back and forth, and in the in the press, and when we clocked in the letter, and um, a city spokesperson, which wouldn't that be nice to just say whatever you want and then say city spokesperson, spokesperson, yeah. tied behind it. Anywho, they said that uh, Rashid Wyatt and my letter was a snow job. It was a, it was just for publicity. They're awfully poetic over there, Jim. So, I gotta say, like, awfully... I was like, "That's a good one." Wow, I love getting zing now. I'm like, "Okay, okay, <laughs> all right." Well, so can I get everybody to show up and actually have this dialogue? And I went on. There was actually that was in my committee, and I said, "Look, you know," and when you go to towns or villages or other municipalities, they call them work sessions. They don't call them hearings. It's like the town board meets, the supervisors there, yep. and you meet all your department heads, and you and you hash it out right there. And that's how that's how like the sausage is made. So. I kind of just said, like, look, you know, I want the commissioners to be able to come down here, answer the questions um, that the people's representatives have, which are is the common council, and to work through those things so that it's in a public setting so people are all on the same page. And I said, this doesn't need to be choreographed. You know, the, the choreography doesn't need to be better than a Janet Jackson music video. Right. Just show up, ask questions, let's work through it. Our job is to also allocate resources. If you need some, let us know. I mean, if you get a chance to listen to Rhythm Nation while you're there, do it. <laughs> By all means. Yeah, absolutely. And in the words of my friend Rudy, shake your shoulders if you don't have to dance. Yeah, it's, it's, Rhythm like, Nation. Just have fun. One of the first tapes I ever owned as a kid, Rhythm Nation. Love that. Yeah. Miss Jackson, if you're dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so we came there. But look, we had a hearing. And actually, the, the administration, uh, they showed up. And we got a, a we got a lot of information when it came down to cost sharing agreements through equipment, how many that we purchased, how much are in capital budgets, and so we felt better after saying, "Oh my God!" So we, all this stuff is happening, yeah. um, and so we feel you know better prepared for winter. And um, look, I don't want to get my teeth kicked in for another winter. Uh, my constituents need to get plowed, and you know we do need to have cost sharing agreements with other municipalities because, quite frankly, my constituents on Sobieski Street don't know uh, what emblem is on the truck with the plow that comes down. Yeah, I mean, don't, they, don't care. They don't care. Don't, don't 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 doesn't like the Brown administration. Like, don't these people want to take credit for stuff? Like, don't they want to slap their name on things that make or, them look or, good? Or at least don't they want like FEMA to not take shots at them again? Like, like oh uh, yeah. Do you, like uh, I brought this up? You know, I brought this up a couple times on the podcast, but like. Like as last spring, after the horrible winter, FEMA had a billboard on the 198 right by Buff State, like just after Grant Street before uh, you, they hit the 190. And it was a FEMA billboard that said, if you can plan a birthday party, you can plan for a disaster. Oh, wow. And I was like, Ooh, wow. somebody at FEMA is taking a major shot at the mayor. Wow. And so Darius, the council president, teases me because my middle name is Peter. So he says sometimes it can be Peter or Petty. And that was pretty petty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know who it was at FEMA, but somebody at FEMA was like, "There's got to be somebody whose like family member got like stuck in the snow, or, or worse, hopefully not." But, and they're like, "All right, well, I happen to control the advertising budget for FEMA, so we are putting a fucking billboard on the 198." And and I, I really want to highlight the importance of emergency response, especially when I'm sitting uh, in my living room during a blizzard. My neighbor had just uh, was found in a snowbank. I am sick. I think I had COVID, but I didn't have enough tests, and I was stuck in my house, and I couldn't test. 
and I'm getting calls to my my cell phone saying I need food, um, I need dialysis. I had constituents that are giving birth in their living rooms. I have a fr- uh, friends and also constituents that are living with disabilities who their home health care aides had left, did not shelter in place, and they're crawling to the bathroom. Like this is not a joke. Yeah, oh, it's, and, you know, this and, is not funny. This yeah. isn't a joke. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I had a friend who lost power like the first day, and they live in an old house, and you know, I mean, you know, it's a nice house, and like you know, they they put a lot of money into it, but like. After a couple of days, it got down to like 35 in their house and like pipes froze and like just them and their dog with like every blanket in the house, you know, <laughs> and like, you know, I know other than like Super Nate McMurray, who's really critical of him. But like, I think a lot of people in general, like are pretty positive how the county executive handled the blizzard last year and because they just want to see you like you're doing something. And since it was clear that he wasn't sleeping and he was at like their emergency response headquarters the entire time. On a cot, eating yeah, from, a, a, cot, eating from yeah. a vending machine. Right, yeah. yeah and yeah, he called me all the time. And he called me, like, he checked in with council members all the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, clearly eating, like, you know, eight-year-old Miss Debbie's or like, little you know Debbie's what the or gays call, You know what the gays call him? No, oh, I, Snow Daddy. Snow Daddy? <laughs> yeah. I was like, that is... And I heard that at the 26th. I said, oh, my goodness. Oh, my, we, could, we need to get him a satin jacket, like a black satin jacket with, like, Snow Daddy and, like, oh, like powder blue script on the back. <laughs> You gotta laugh. I mean, you gotta. Oh no! You know? I, oh yeah. no! I mean, I was trying to incorporate Fat Bear Week into this, but <laughs> <laughs> Mark is a really good county executive, and we yeah. all need to vote for him in droves. Yes, we are safer with him at the helm. We are safer with him at the helm. But like, just back to the, the mayor and, and just the city. Like, don't you want to like, look? If you're Byron Brown and you know that pretty much everyone despises you, I mean, let's just call it like it is, right? Like. There, there, most people do not have strong, good feelings about Byron Brown. How about that? Um, wouldn't you want to put your name... Like, the natural political impulse is to have something where you could say, yes, this is a win. This is a victory. Th- th- that's not even there right now for... Well, I think it's also fair enough to also say, saying, look, look, I'm running a city. We are the third poorest city, and in, in, in we don't have the, t- the taxes or the, the revenue sources to be able to do these things. We have to all work together to get this done. The city has different challenges. We have narrow one-way streets. We have parking. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have we do have significant things that it's not easy to just go into a burb and plow a, a cul-de-sac. Right, right. And to me, I just think that we all could be a little less proudful and say, look, we get it by from the help of our friends, and how do, yeah. we, how do we tag team this? And, yeah. and that's okay, and yeah. that's, that's leadership. Right. I mean, and, and I will say, like, you know, for, like, the suburban, like, municipalities, uh, you know, all the towns, you know, not city of Tonawanda, I, I don't know, and I don't, definitely not city of Lackawanna, but, like, in all the towns, they elect their highway superintendent, right? Yeah, so that person is an elected office. So if you're, if you're, you know, you're worried about, like, you know, Davey and Marilla, and you're the highway superintendent, like, if you don't plow, guess who doesn't have a job? Yeah. Like, no, you yeah, you're you right. get voted out, like, yeah. on your app, you know, like, and, but it's, like... That's also why, like, it's great to try to work with those people because, like, they they do whatever they can to make sure that they do their job as well as possible. So, like, work with Amherst. Work with Hamburg. Work with Tonawanda. I mean, I, you know, we're up in Kenmore. I, I live up here in Kenmore and Tonawanda. And, like, the day after the blizzard, like, ended, by, like, 8 o'clock in the morning, the roads were, like, to the pavement. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they, they were out there, and, like, it was cr- super uh, clean. You know who is notorious for keeping their sidewalk down to the pavement? Sam Hoyt, yeah, hell yeah. If you're walking your if you're walking your dog, you can go down in Lafayette and Elmwood. Mm-hmm. He's down to the pavement. Sam, Sam Hoyt, legend. Yeah, he is a good politician. All right, so let me ask you this: so just Mitch, like, if God forbid we were hit with another critical snow event, 
again this winter. An emergency. Yeah. An, an, an honest to God well, emergency. And, 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 and that, look, that might happen just because, like, well, I know, like, the Farmer's Almanac says, like, it's supposed to be, like, a pretty mild winter. But, you know, like, it's October 6th right now, and it was 85 degrees today. Mm-hmm. Right. The temperature on the lake is still going up. It, it, it's up to, like, 71 degrees at, at the lake right now. And I that, think, is the, that is what ends up driving, like, an enormous, enormous lake effect storm. And I think we could all agree that when we talk about climate change, our, our climate is becoming more erratic. Yeah. So even, like, the winters are becoming more erratic, or our, our, the rain is becoming more, like, the, our seasons are becoming more erratic, and you have to prepare for that. Right. I and, mean, and, and, and extreme. Extreme. Right. right. You know, like, I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, like, look, when's the last time we had, like, an 84-degree day the first week of October? Like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Like, we've had some nice warm days in October, but not in the 80s. And, like, you know, it's gonna be, we're going to have days in the winter where it's going to be, like, like way fucking colder than it usually is. All right, let's re- let's replay last year. Yeah. Literally last year. Let's just say the blizzard of last year hits again. How confident do you feel in our current, like, like knowing what we know, having already experienced it? Could we in the city of Buffalo combat it any better? So for we take, did last year. Good question. Four takeaways I got away from the Wawa letter in the hearing. Number one, we are in a cost sharing agreement with other municipalities, state and county to not only use their equipment, but also have a plan of what streets will be plowed and what the city will be responsible for. Number one, that's killer, is to make sure that we that all the resources and the equipment are on the field and that they're appropriately being utilized too. Because I think a lot of folks forget is you could have all the equipment in the world if the staff's not trained, if they're not properly placed, they're not, they're not yeah. going to be used well. So I think that that's been nipped in the bud. The second is is the amount of our own equipment that we purchased that we have in our own inventory, which is really good. Um, moving to backup generators that have been purchased for community centers and for warming locations. That's uh, critical. I think that we have a better alert system uh, to notify folks. And, and let's let's also break that down in the sense of, you know, we live in a world that is almost dis- desensitized and it, I can go on a whole tangent about how it's, it's almost dangerous in the sense of, you know, if you always hear breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, then what is breaking? Or if you hear severe weather, severe weather, severe weather, what is actually severe weather? So I think that we are better prepared with the vernacular and the language getting out there and what an emergency is shelter in place um, and, and, and making sure that we're notifying the public. I think we're in a better position there. And I think we'll get those phone alerts from snow daddy. <laughs> right? Yeah. You guys are going to finish up the interview. I'm going to go start my Snow Daddy app. <laughs> that's, that's a, every dating app, I'm going to have a Snow Daddy account. No, it's like the Biden alerts yesterday. Yeah. The the Snow Daddy alerts. The Snow Daddy alerts. Um, yeah, and that, and that, those, those terrified me. I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, I got this. Um, And I'm trying to think, you know, th- and the next is I think that... um. I think that our residents are more prepared. I think that community organizations are better prepared because it really all takes all of us. I think that when you're talking about emergency response, it's easy to say, well, that over there, are they going to do that? And it's really all of us. Yeah. And it's activating block clubs. It's activating community centers. It's acti- activating BPS right, cause, I mean, to do that. I think that's something that people overlook um, is that, you know, like in suburban towns that may, maybe uh, had a, a what looks to be a better response – like it wasn't just paid town employees. I mean, you have because a lot of your towns out there don't have paid fire departments, right? They have volunteer, and those volunteer firefighters, Brian Nowak being one of them, just out there spending like you know 18, 20 hours a day for those days, you know, coming in and helping out. 
And that's, you know, in the city where we have a lot more community organizations and nonprofits, they also have to like take a role. And I think you, I think you're right. Like I think more people are prepared. I also want to say like, I love the acronym Wawa letter. And I hope after our first snowstorm letter, I don't know what this acronym is going to stand for, but I hope you have a sheets letter. <laughs> I, well, I know that I will tell, I will tell the, the person who will be nameless of, of who created it. Oh, another thing, this is going to get some folks that listen to this podcast riled up. Let's go. But I'm here. I'm ready. Let's go. Um, so there was, it's called the Rook and I'm going to talk about it. So there is a piece of equipment. So, uh, as you know, uh, a large thing that paralyzed the city were people abandoning the vehicles and it bottlenecked streets. And if you bottleneck streets with your your uh, cars, somebody, number one, has to move that car. Someone has to physically shovel that car out. And then it also paralyzes streets to not get emergency vehicles down. We there needs to be there needed to be some form of equipment that is able to get to get these to, to shoot them out and get them out. So during budget season, um, when it was a request of, I believe it was the fire department um, to get it, there was a group of folks that said, this is a militarized equipment. This is for police, but this is for protesters. And it literally was not like, there's no conspiracy by it. I mean, I would never, I mean, I think that if people can trust me, then I'm pretty pragmatic and I have no problem telling the truth. Um, and it was really, and I uh, feel that yes, it was a problem in all all districts, but when you were literally on the phone with a constituent who that, that the ambulance cannot get down the street while you're having giving birth in your living room, you're gonna feel pretty impassioned to get those goddamn cars out of the street. But did, was there any thought instead of getting a rook to just get like a hundred thousand dollars worth of steroids for Rashid Wyatt and he could go move all the cars by himself? Rashid is a strong guy. He's, he's strong well, and he's loyal. He's, he's, he's strong already, I, but I, like what, with a hundred thousand dollars worth of steroids, you know how many cars he could move? I, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, you know, a cab also means snow removal. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Those, those, those are the rules. Uh, you know, sorry, we can't Rook, rooks are a cab now. Sorry. I mean, well, we, it was in, and look and the equipment works and we needed it on the thing. And, <laughs> and I was just like, when I was up there, I was like, I cannot, I can't pedal into this because I know how serious we need this piece the, of equipment. The main ACAB thing that's been happening for me lately is uh, I have a you know, like a seven-year-old or almost eight-year-old Pomeranian, and uh, he's been down to Market Arcade outside every day uh, protesting the Paw Patrol 2 movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know Paw Patrol, ACAB, right? <laughs> that's actually, uh, Mitch, that's one of my favorite. Uh, I, uh, living in Kenmore, I had him outside at like midnight one time so he could go to the bathroom, and a Kenmore cop, like, stopped at the stop sign and my dog started barking and i said oh i'm sorry he had a real bad pro- uh, uh, experience with paw patrol once <laughs> and and he didn't laugh i was like this is why I hate people hate cops i was like you know that was a good joke the, the paw patrol tough tough crowd tough crowd tough crowd tough, tough crowd tough, tough crowd to camera please but all right the rooks so we've got the, the we got the rooks. We have a they piece can only of move. equipment they can move forwards and sideways. They but they have, <laughs> they can't move diagonal. <laughs> but they but they castle the, them. But they're equipped to be able to to get those cars out quickly, and that's what we need. I mean, when people abandoned their cars, it took me like four hours to get one car out. Like yeah. I most, I was my body was like shot. Like I, like humans need to move that car. It's really dangerous. I like, was off Pennsylvania. Like the Pennsylvania's blocked off. There's like cars right in the middle of yeah. that main street to get. It was like I was like, oh my god! I couldn't imagine all the all the DPW workers, all the workers that are getting hundreds of cars shoveled out. Yeah, and the manpower it requires and the did, strength. Did you also think about maybe like to like help move those cars, hiring the Kia boys to get them all out of the way? <laughs> oh man, no, which I, are dangerous and people, you know, they, you know, the way that they drive and 
and it's really put people, a lot of people in danger, and it's, and it's really terrible, and it's skyrocketing insurance costs um, to people that's already expensive to get insurance in the city. It's, you know, it's, I could it's go on bad. It's bad. bad. It's so, bad. Yeah. No, we, we, we joke. Dark, dark humor. Gallows yeah. humor. But no, I'm, I'm, laugh, I'm laughing, too. It's um, not because I have a Kia. No. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to know Mitch Nowakowski does not have a Kia. Right. I don't. Right. I don't. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, if, if Kia boys uh, look for like, uh, maybe Chris Scanlon, uh, hang out in the South District for a while, see if you can find, you know. Stay out of Fillmore. <laughs> stay out of Fillmore. Kia boys, stay away. All right. Yeah, no. We're I'm, having a fun time. We always have a fun time. My gosh. We always have a fun time here. In the snake pit with Mitch Nowakowski. Okay, so we are hoping that this year we don't get hit with the snow. We hope that you know it's going to be a milder winter, but there are things in place. Should it not be as mild as we hope? Um, I mean, again, like I'm cautiously optimistic that we have kind of turned a corner on this. That. Ultimately, even just like, look, from a total face-saving measure, we cannot have the abomination that was last year. Like we, Even if we get hit with the worst weather event we've ever seen, it cannot, we cannot have last year uh, be a repeat. So I, I'm heartened by the, the points you brought up, but long-term, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that this is, these are the kind of things that are not just like a, oh shit, like last year was bad, so we got to cover our ass. Is this sustainable? Like, like, okay, so we can work for now with the suburban um, municipalities. Are, are these agreements going to be the kind of things that are going to be a long term? Like, hey, here are solutions. Like, e- even if we don't get hit with an all time weather event, are, it's just a common sense, right? Like, Hey, do we have any kind of partnership that would be sustainable in the long term? Is it, or is this more like a face saving measure for now? Like from the players at the table, I felt comfortable that they said that this was going to be a partnership, that this was going to be the norms of what we could be responsible for, what they could be responsible for and what equipment we could use from the state as well. And also using that their assets too, because look, let's face it. I mean, buying all this equipment and, and put, putting it on, a, on capital and having it sit there, isn't going to, is a benefit to no one either. So, you know, sharing resources like that is also, you know, cost, cost savings too. And, and just, just fiscally prudent. All right. Fair enough. All right. Moving on. We could talk about the snow and hopefully we don't have to talk much about it this winter, but if we do, we do. I just want to walk down main street and get a crepe at the place next to Coco. Oh, that place is fire. Isn't that place great? That place. That Although place my mom's rules. like, I'm not putting the blanket on me. I don't know who else put the blanket. I'm like, mom, calm down. Put a blanket on, eat a crepe. Put a blanket on. Have Come some on. hot chocolate. Get a shot of Krupnik. Oh, I could go for a shot. I haven't had I haven't had a good Krupnik in a while. You need to go to the Broadway market and get yourself during the wine festival a bottle of Krupnik. Buddy, I've spent plenty of time at the Broadway, but I haven't been there in a while for the Broadway market. Um, but this year we'll, we'll change that. It's been a few years. I used to spend a lot of time at the Broadway market, but I haven't been there in a while. Why aren't you beating up on me on what the progress is at the Broadway market? Mitch, what's the progress of the Broadway market? So uh, that's a great question because I, I feel like everybody identifies. <laughs> my district is huge, and it's, it, it expands like the east and west sides of Buffalo, and they're like, so what's happening at the Broadway market? Um, right now it is actually that you know it's moving forward in the sense of that the Governor Hochul did give over $40 million dollars um, through ESD for the transformation of the Broadway market. And the first thing um, that is now underway and it's getting board development is a Broadway market management entity that can actually run and sustain a public market. And then by the end of this year, 
we will be in with the city and, and the mayor will be announcing the architect and the business developer of the Broadway Market, who will be in charge of not only working with the vendors for business development, but also actually have a concrete uh, developer that will be designing and uh, uh, implementing the first phases of the reconstruction of the Broadway Market. That rocks. That's great. Seriously, I... Look, I, I love the Broadway market. I think it like what an asset to Buffalo. Like what seriously, it's so unique as a place. Um and almost like as a mythical place for a lot of people. Just I, I think of, you know, my family talking about, yeah, Easter, we're gonna go down to the Broadway market and we're gonna see, you know, like the sights, the sounds, everything about that place just kind of has like a mythical feel to it that's been quite frankly, lost just due to neglect, just due to economic, um, you know, downturns in the area. And it's like, man, that neighborhood, that space, there's so much happening there. Like, it is such a, like, it's such a beautiful, like, yeah, the actual architecture is something to be desired. Well, let's, just the let's fact talk that people, about that. So, you know, when we talked about, you know, that the Broadway market, the, the, the actual original drawings from the Polish and German immigrants that built the Broadway market in the 1880s, and then further expanded in the into the twenties was demolished in the fifties. Yeah, for that bomb shelter that it that's that it looks like it's built. I mean, half the 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 entire uh, parcel is parking because that was the fifties were a rough time for land use planning, suburban sprawl, cars, yeah. cars, 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 and so um, you know you got to work with what you got. But when people talk about the history and historic preservation, which I think I have enough, uh, you know, historic, uh, you know, some you know, preservation bona fides um, that, I, you know, I appreciate those architecture and I work to, to restore and rehabilitate them that that structure needs uh, a complete overhaul. And it's, it's my dream is that I'm going to walk, drive down Broadway and I'm going to make a right onto um, Gibson and I'm going to drive, I can drive around the Broadway market and actually see storefronts all around the market because seeing is believing perception is reality. So if you're driving around the market and you're like, okay, I could see the fish shop. I could see the bakery. I could see the consignment shore. Then you're going to be more enticed to go in the Broadway market to see what's inside too. And God forbid you walk by at some point, right? Like God forbid there's foot traffic, more of it, right? Like driving by is great, but I'd love there would be more foot traffic too. You know what I mean? Like density, it, density. That's what we're getting, we're finally, you know, when I was talking about, you know, things that are happening in the district that it takes forever to, uh, you know, to get off is, you know, finally the Acker building in the corner of Broadway Fillmore is, is getting redeveloped by Cedarland Development, which I met with them four years ago. That'll, there will be housing and a head start. There's going to be with the DRI money. It was uh, infill housing is big, big, big for me um, to build up the density and get people affordable housing. And because, you know, to me, housing is a human right. And how do we expect people in society to get better if we don't properly house them? So to see Plater Street um, and, and the wonderful drawings that are happening that are going to happen from Pedereski to Broadway with a ton of new homes. And, you know, th these things are moving. You know, we have the Schreiber Brewery. We have the Adam Miscavige Library. Howard Johnson got a million dollars for um, Fillmore Streetscape. I mean, things are happening. The I, library. Oh, God, I freaking love the that's, Miscavige that's, Library. But I, I, think, I know I've told this, I think, on got podcast before. Like, So uh, when I was in AmeriCorps, we, we were doing a project. So we spent like, like three weeks working out of the uh, Broadway market. And we were having like a team meeting in the old bank there. Oh, yeah. And across the street was a rent a center. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there, and there's two guys, and they have like a giant, like 70 inch flat screen television in a box they're carrying. And I see them on the box starting to give away. So, like, you know, our like 
CEO of AmeriCorps talking, and I'm like elbowing the people next to me. I'm like, check out what's going to happen. And like, it just as like I got like four or five people to like kind of look over there, the bottom of the box fell out, and this television comes smashing to the ground. And these two rent center guys were like, and they just like tip the box over and just go back inside. Like, they didn't even care. Jeez. Jeez. You have some Vista stories. Yeah. 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 I used to, I used to work security, believe it or not, down at the Broadway market. For, did you? I did. I did. I spent many a day at the Broadway market. I've seen a lot of shit down there, too. Um, but I mean, there's, there's so many good people in that neighborhood. Like, there's some of the so most many, beautiful people you ever meet. Like, like incredible people, incredible, uh, business owners. I mean, yeah, you got like a save a lot in there or whatever. Like, okay, whatever. Some big national chain that they don't care. But even the people, the people who work there are just from the neighborhood too. From, from the, the neighborhood yeah. who want this nice space. Like they, yeah. they believe in it. That's why, that's why like, even at its worst, nobody ever has fully abandoned the Broadway. No, market. and they never will. And they never will. They never, never will. will. And and there's a reason why people from, you know, maybe they live in, God forbid, Marilla, will still come for Easter in their butter lambs. And, and, you know. and, and, you know, and so... At the peep-eating contest? Um, at a pro-eating contest. Yeah. Yes. And I had a cookie-eating contest. All I do is just, I'm, I'm in a pro contest at Canty's this weekend. I've... I mean, I, I did a kielbasa contest. I had 22. I needed Pepsi AC for three days. Um, <laughs> it, it, that's that's fun. They're like, you know, we need a, we need someone to judge, and I end up judging all these food contests. Good thing I like to eat. But the one thing I do want to say about the suburbanites and 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 you know the haters that you know uh, go on Twitter is I want to say to them is number one, don't drive into the city of Buffalo and Broadway Fillmore and cast judgment on people because progress looks different to different people, and you know you may not you may think it looks tough. You know, to you walking down Broadway, I see the Lyceum getting done. I see, um, you know, the investment from the Bangladesh community. I see people that are believing in these old abandoned structures and, and breathing life into them. So it's easy to drive in your car from the suburbs and cast judgment on other people. And I ask people to not do that because, um, you know, progress is getting made. It just looks different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about let's talk a different kind of progress because uh, clearly we're getting a lot of progress done in. You know, in the district, a lot of awesome stuff down, especially in that part of the, uh, the district of yours. But you're not the only, believe it or not, Mitch Tokowski is not the only member of the city of Buffalo Common Council. In fact, we had two new members, uh, not not quite fully elected yet, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, they, they tantamount, yeah, t- tantamount to being elected. Yeah. So we have, um, you know, two members that are likely, they have no challengers. So they're, well, they're effectively. I mean, I think uh, I think in Ellicott, like there's somebody who did independent nominating petitions. Mm. So I mean, it's it is it's extremely likely that Leah Halton Pope is the you know is going to be the Ellicott District Council member. But there, I believe there is somebody who did independent nominating petitions uh, who's going to be on like a, a totally independent like line uh, that's not associated with any party whatsoever. Um, but that is not the case in Maston. Right. So Leah Halton Pope and Zanetta Everhart. More likely than not, are going to be uh, your two new colleagues in Yay. the Common Council, Mitch. Yep. And you know, talk to us like, okay, so now you are the uh, <laughs> the grizzled <coughs> veteran of the council. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Isn't I, that wild? I put a lot of night cream on, just so you know. Yeah. I have facial serums. I have to. Pr- I don't want to look war torn. I guess I should say, like in both those districts, I don't think that that's the only person who's running an active campaign because I don't think either of them won the Working Families endorsement. So there's a different, per- but those people aren't work- running active campaigns. 
Right. There's there is an like there's somebody who's trying to run an active campaign on that independent nominee. Like I don't even know what the name of the line is. You know, like you had, uh, you know, people people create these lines and are like, oh well, you know, like. You know, I uh, Monica Wallace had like a you know women's votes matter line uh, and stuff like that, and I remember Jack Quinn uh, the the third the the kid when he ran for assembly had a, like a sportsman's rights line because he didn't get the conservative line, so he was trying to pick up any voters he could there. Okay, well, uh, effectively, de facto, we probably have two new council members in Leah Halton Pope and Zanetta Everhart. Yeah, I, there's a better chance of me curing cancer while smoking cigarettes, and that being the way I figure it out, <laughs> sure. than those two losing. All right, so Either f- of them losing. So for the likely eventual outcome, um, what's that like? You know, I mean, it's got to be a little weird to be like, geez, I felt like I was the new guy, and all of a sudden I'm, even with your night cream, you know, you're still... You're still a little bit of the old guy, Mitch. Like, what what's that like for you getting to know your likely new uh, colleagues, and and what's that like for you to be? Uh, and listen, you you're an old saw. Even even independent of being on the council, you said it yourself. Like, you worked in the council yeah. for, for a long time. You yeah. know this place. You know it in and out. But now you're like one of the guys who's been one of the guys or gals who's been around for a long time. What's what's that like, and how have you? Uh, what what are the 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 inroads have you made with, uh, you know, Zanetta and Leah? I'm beyond thrilled for both of them and to be on the Common Council. And I think that, you know, I sometimes get a reputation for being the spicy one. I think that it's going to get a lot, lot spicier. I also get to <laughs> sit in the middle of them. And we're on the east side of the chamber. So it's going to get to get hot on the east coast. And I'm excited. Um, they both have platforms and things that they want to do. And Zanetta is just a phenomenal if she's you know i like to say you know gary will kill me i said you know gary she's not every woman because he loves whitney houston <laughs> i go she's her own woman <laughs> she's her own woman and so will leah and you know we're gonna have a i think we're gonna have a great time and i think that this is where you're gonna the seasons are changing and so are we and i think that you're gonna see um a lot of a lot of great stuff coming from the common council i mean i you know, uh i'm excited for zanetta I I'm a little more reticent about Leah, but we'll, like maybe she'll surprise me. I'll tell you that. You know, like I I, you know, I, I think she's gonna be ready to work. I I I, 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 I don't. I, I don't. I don't. I I think she'll be ready to work. I based off her campaign where she ran in no issues. I I have some concerns about that. Like you know, when you're somebody who's new, you should come up with a couple of things. And she basically she really didn't run it, and, and she didn't run in issues until like she had challengers, and then she just crib note from their campaigns well you know in the ellicott district now is, is really drawn so it's pretty diverse too i mean yeah it's so a, it's we a, look it's at a, fillmore it's gonna i mean ellicott is too and, you know she had to win in a lot of interesting areas yeah, i mean ellicott is it, starting to mirror more of like uh april baskins the chairwoman's district Correct. a bit yeah, uh, yeah. where it, it it bridges main street now and you've got that east west divide where you know ellicott you know which would traditionally been mostly just an east side uh council district now has a fair amount of, you know, essentially the Elmwood Village. Yeah. Yep, Elmwood Village, and then it takes a little bit of, uh, you know, A, B, and C, and Genesee Street. And yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's got Alphabet City, and it, but it also has, you know, the Lexington Co-op. Mm-hmm. You know, and, then- and that, to me, that diversity and that, 
you know, you have to be very versatile and you got to be able to get in there. And I think that when you have really diverse districts like that, it makes you look at uh, policy so much different because like, you're not in a homogenized area. You no. can't just make a decision on based on, on what one perception you think of your district. You really have to say, hey, how does this impact the richest people in my district? How does this affect the poorest people in my district? And I think that that's um, something that Leah is going to be really sensitive to. And I think she's going to hone in on it. And, um, you know, I think that finally we're going to, you know, in 10 years, we're going to have females in the common council. And yeah. I mean, when you think about it, the common council is slowly, but becoming more representative of the actual city. We have someone that's LGBT. We have females, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have, um, a let, we have some that is Latino, you know, and I think that, um, I think that, that there's nothing but positives that are going to come there. And you know that I'm a staunch advocate and, and believing that the common council is the backbone of city government and, and we have chartered oversight and, and, uh, um, you know, fiduciary responsibilities. And uh, even though, you know, we do, per the charter, have a very mayorally heavy government where uh, the mayor is in charge of administering a lot of programs and, and executing those things, the council has a, has a really important role. I mean, going off, uh, you know, off the sheet a little bit here, but like, you know, speaking of like, and maybe trying to claw back some of the power from the mayoral. Has there ever been any thought to like you know should we expand the council again maybe a couple of at large seats again? So good question that you said that. So the only time that because there's some technicalities because so you can never decrease someone's power in the charter um, unless by referendum, and you cannot ira- you cannot delete a district or remove it without it being on a referendum voted by the public, um, and so the reapportionment committee could put that in the council if it, if it was to the measure was to pass then if they said that there needs to be at large seats it would have to be passed by the public so i think in 10 years when the, when they meet again you're definitely going to see a population increase you're definitely going to see more diversity and i think that you're going to you're going to have uh, those conversations definitely pop back up again yeah, but, i mean you know if a like a, if an independent like citizens group decided to try to bring a referendum or ahead of time so that's a good question i was actually having a sidebar conversation i don't i'm assuming that anyone you know if you get the if a ballot initiative could happen um but what i had thought or what i was told was that the reapportion commission is the architect to be able to do that and that would have to be because that the remember when the council downsized mm-hmm. in 2003 the reapportionment commission recommended that and the council voted to do that and then it was up to a public referendum where Jim Pitts thought that that was going to fail and it actually um, passed by large margins but at that time the population was going down people were angry they said this bloated government right. and what did it really save I mean it saved a council member paying them $50,000 I mean didn't I mean it really well, and, 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 it was like the whole Dennis Gone thing when he was trying to right. that, and I mean, it didn't make any and, sense and you, you see that you know going back to the county ledge like you know it, it wasn't all that long ago that there were 17 members of the county legislature, and now there's 11. Well, and, we t- and at one point, there was like 25 members of the county legislature. And like, and so now you have members of the county legislature who represent more people or almost as many people as like state assembly members. Mm-hmm. And, and, let's, and let's be honest. Like, I mean, uh, especially when it comes to the chairwoman and when it comes to Legislator Johnson, like their districts are all the city of Buffalo, and there are so many needs. I mean, if they were not busting their hump, they would not get reelected. I mean, so you know their workload um, oftentimes is like four times higher than some of their counterparts because yeah. of the needs of their district. Yeah. No. I mean, it's. I mean, you know, it's. I, I'm always a big uh, proponent of not reducing the size of legislative bodies, like, you know, or, or even increasing them because you know the more the the, the fewer people. It's kind of like you know, to me, it's like like classroom size, right? 
know, like you, you don't want to have too much of a, you want to have like a teacher to, to student ratio that's that's pretty reasonable. That's proportionate. Yeah. Right. And if you reduce the size of legislative bodies, what ends up happening is that they have so many more people they represent, and it's harder to get out to those people. It's harder to do things for them. Right. What, what happens if those legislative bodies don't vote according to the city charter in A's, I's and no's? Oh, per the council rules, so there's the forty. Ca- so there's forty-seven. I love a rule. There's forty-seven that rule the chamber, and you better believe I know them. And um, so, if you cannot, abst- you, if you can abstain from a vote, but you, um, if you, if you don't, if when, during the roll call, it's recorded in the negative. And if there's ever a tie or anything, then the measure fails. Because some, this is a very important topic for some. Did you see this, Jim? No, I, 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 why did I go too much on a tangent? No, no, no you're, you're, no. This is what this is what we're this kind of engagement mining that I'm searching for. Uh, somebody, somebody on the internet got mad about the the, the Buffalo Common Council didn't follow, uh, voted on its first local law of the year, but didn't follow the procedure in Buff, in, in the Buffalo Charter, which requires that it quote shall be taken by eyes and nose. And the names of the members present and their vote shall be entered in the journal of the common council. The yeah. clerk calls the roll. I mean, no, I know. Yeah, the, the or journal, you, or or if it's a unanimous, then you can vote off. You can vote off on it. It was just very funny that somebody got mad about the eyes and nose. Right, well, was especially. Oh, is that why you said A to me in a yeah. text? Yeah, said, it was at six o'clock. You said A. I was like, wait, what? Is, am I in a roll call right now? <laughs> Calling of the roll, clerk. I no. Especially because, like you know, like there have been like some people who have run like pedantic lawsuits against this type of stuff, legislative bodies across the United States, and courts have consistently been like, look, as long as you understand like what the affirmative is and what the negative is, the actual particular word doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I fucking me and Buffalo Troll go back and forth like all day with shit like this. (laughs) Like just like people getting very upset about it. Um, Yeah, you should, Mitch, do better. I, I, I stand up. I, I. God, that's flagrant disregard. Or maybe like, but you, you should see if uh, when you have a new uh, common council next year with the new members taking over, is uh, modify the the rules to like, use like bachelor rules. So like, if something passes, you go up and give them a rose. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> well, did you know back in the day? Back in the day, George K. Arthur told me that you had to stand. So sometimes when you were debating, it got heated because you were standing. Oh hell yeah, dude! We we need actually that'd be kind of lit. Yeah. No, I'm not gonna lie. I, I hey, yeah. but then you can't debate from the chair, mm. right? So you have to cut. You have to have someone, you know. But yeah, um, you know, can't back down from a fight. Yeah, it's, it's just get, can't back down. Get get everybody standing desks. I would prefer to stand because I'm such a busybody. So sitting there gets me anxious. I, I'd be and if I could be more that. dramatic than I am mm-hmm. while standing. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Or does everybody get those like those bouncy balls so you can work on your core while you're there? <laughs> Dude, we should record on Thursdays more. This is great. This is great. We're really loosening up. Here. Yeah, yeah. We, we it we, could we, be this community beer works beer. Yeah, I, mean, and I, I brought down if you guys. Did you see? I, make, I gave him a plug. Yeah. The, oh the, hell yeah, dude! You're a natural, natural salesman. Our, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I'm, could sell Sears. I could sell washers at Sears. <laughs> I uh, I brought down uh, uh, my girlfriend brought me back uh, some uh, Austrian schnapps. Mm-hmm. So like actually good, like not like the garbage stuff you get in the United States where you're like, oh wow, I really wanted some like sugar crystals and peach. Uh, but this is uh, like a pear apple schnapps if you guys are interested. I will. So the Nowakowskis came here in 1917, and when they came, mm-hmm. they put Austria mm-hmm. on there. They didn't put Poland, but you know, as you know, mm-hmm. those those you know, it was just arbitrary lines then. Yeah. It was good. Too many, too many archdukes. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm about to say, was, you know, yeah. Where are you from? Austria. 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. Austria. That big thing on the map. Mm-hmm. You know, Austria. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, glad, uh, we're glad you're joining us here, Mitch, and uh, having some beers and, and, and loosening it up. You know, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's been a lot for you. It's been a long, long month, long, long few weeks. Um, and, I, and I hate to bring up uh, ARP funds. I, I, yeah, you, I hate to do it. it. I hate to do it to you because you're you're just having the chill vibes right mm-hmm. now. So, so are we. But let me take another sip. Yeah. T- have another good si- big long sip of Community Beer Works is uh, wonderful brews here, and and it, they've got some More new ones. Jim. They've, they've got some new ones. I think they got the White Russian out. Yeah, mm. I saw. We should up our uh, our ask. Right, we should do. We should do. They don't want us to do real ad reads, but we. We should, we should come up with more fake ad reads. <laughs> just do an entire episode of fake ad reads. We're just going to have like Chris Groves yell at us like, all right, guys, you cannot. <laughs> you can't do that. Right. We'll give you three cases a month to stop doing that. <laughs> ARP. Talk to us. The ARP funds. All right. So the Biden bucks, mm-hmm. the once in a lifetime funding that min- local municipalities got right, during that, COVID. That Niagara County is using to like tear apart Niagara Falls Boulevard and... Are Maybe they? redo part of it. Well, so it's been reported the city of Buffalo has had to use 52%, about over half of the dollars, to fill budget revenues. So, yes, I am very not happy with that. But I want to just talk about the practicality. This is where pragmatic Mitch has to come in. If budget holes are not filled, that money, those bills are still due, right? right. It's like running a household. That's how I kind of... That's how I operate as a council member. Is like things still need to get paid, and if you don't have the funding, then you have to get a, what a, what is called a RAN, a revenue anticipation note. Yep. So it's basically you going out to Wall Street, the municipality saying, "I am guaranteed this tax revenue at this time," and you're paying interest on that. So you're spending taxpayer dollars to do that. So why we're here is because the past councils and administration has, you know, spent a large sum of money of, of about $100 million to use um, reserve funds prior to me being elected to fill budget holes. Taxes were not raised in 16 years, which did not give us compound revenue. And I've been shouting from the rooftop that said, you know, this this money really came and just delayed this problem further um, that we were going to face in 2020. Because remember when 2020, remember when June, when my head was on a poster and yeah. things were going down and it was a global pandemic and... Um, we were in a 52. When your head was on a poster. That yeah, was I need, awesome, I need dude. one of those posters. That was awesome. Dude. I know. Can you get me that poster again? What the, where the fuck do you think I'm going to get it I from? I don't know. I feel like you know people. I probably do, but you pro- they, they all tweet at the Buffalo Common Council on Twitter. You could just respond to them. Oh, I need it. So, And I want David Rivera's, too. Yeah. I just like, oh, I hear I'm having a cocktail with my friends in my backyard with the posters. <laughs> Anywho, we were staring down the barrel of a $52 million budget gap then. Joe Biden was elected. The next year, we had gotten the tranche of relief, and the the, the city had had to utilize that funding to fill budget holes that already existed. Now, next year is the last year that the city can use um, those that those dollars for revenue replacement. Obviously, it didn't have the transformational impact that other municipalities were able to do by purchasing equipment and doing infrastructure. Look, the next mayor that we have whoever it is, is going to have a very hard job. And the future councils that we're gonna, that's going to be sworn in on January 1st is going to have a lot of hard decisions to make because 
we are going to, I mean, last year we used, what are we at, like $50 million uh, that we used for this fiscal year. Yeah. So when the money dries up, where does that, where do we make that up? We don't make that up in, in raising taxes uh, and revenues. And it just, that's an, an insurmountable task, right. you know, unless uh, the state government gives us um, a large portion of state aid to make up for it. So we have hard decisions. It's coming and we have to make, uh, you know, really prudent and wise decisions so that we don't inflict um, extremely high, you know, tax burden on residents. Let's let's call it what it is. You paid off the credit card. You paid off the credit, right? Like you could have used that money for a lot of other stuff. You paid off the credit card so that you're not owing a bunch of interest on it. Correct. But, uh, but what I'm hearing is that uh, you know, if you if you live in the United States, if you care about the city of Buffalo, um, if you it, there's a, there's a new COVID variant out. Uh, don't get the booster if you know somebody's got it. Go hang out with them, get it, spread it, so that the government, the federal government, has to step in and and give us a bunch of money again. That's that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> no, Does everybody get COVID. Get your booster. Stay oh. healthy. Oh, okay. Well, no, no Jim. And uh, I will say like, wrong no, again. <laughs> uh, no, th- this reminds me a lot. Like we've mentioned a couple of times now, but like going back to like the red green budget issue with the city of Buffalo or the county of Erie, actually, uh, where you know Giambra at that time was using. The, remember, there's that, there had been that giant tobacco settlement. Mm, yeah, and and so. Rather than you know, get you know revenue correct, raise taxes a little bit, or do what he needed to do, he was just using all this tobacco settlement and accessing it early. You know, like you know, basically he called JG Wentworth. He's like, "That's my money. I want it now." And uh, he was getting me in advance. Get, yeah. yeah, getting advances so that he was balancing the butt. And then you know, you know, as you know, he probably could have been a third-term county executive if he had done even a little bit of planning towards like oh. W- w- Let's raise taxes a little bit here or do something here to like start to offset this. And instead, it, everything came crashing down at one point because he just refused to like even do like a modem of planning. Like, I'm not asking for like th- you know 20, 30 year plans. Like, this was like a two to five year plan and never did it. And, and so, and then now take that and magnify it. So, I always want to tell people is like urban economics is really complex. Mm-hmm. And, and where you're collecting taxes to. And, and so, I, again, when we were talking about Bray Miller, I'm going to pepper in, in, in this, is, you know, downtown. So I grew up in the suburbs and um, moved in the city when I was 20. And, and um, you know, I still have suburbanite parents who come, to, who come to my house on the Lower West Side. And well, um, we're, at, we're, going, we're, we're on our way to downtown. No, no, no. Downtown is an actual neighborhood. It's a census tract. Right. And, we, and, and strong urban areas have thriving downtowns that are economically diverse, that are connected to public transit, and that derive a lot of tax revenue for the city and the local municipality to provide services throughout the entire city. And here's the thing about when you're, when you're running an urban area and, and you're running a city is you have to take all that revenue and you have to deliver services to the rich and to the poor, mm-hmm. to everybody. And regardless of how many people, how much people pay in, in, in taxes, you know, when you're looking at a suburb, I mean, they're all probably, yeah, there's some people that are probably paying 20,000 or 10,000, but they're all paying a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's complex when you when you talk about this and having to you know provide services and and having to pay bills and having to get new equipment and invest in parks and invest in infrastructure. The money needs to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So when you have folks that are saying, "Well, we need all of this stuff," we do. But who? How do we get the money? How do we extract the money? And I don't. I feel very uncomfortable when we talk about you know how do we raise revenue. It's like, well, okay, well, at the expense of whom and what? Mm-hmm. I mean. To, to ticket fine and fee you to death. I mean, that's not the way that we should be extracting money. No, I mean, because I mean, so, that, that 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 ends up being you know uh, you know very negative for low income earners, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah, punishes the poor, right? I mean, it, it's, it's regressive. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, right. it, it, yeah. I mean, like sales taxes, right? Like, you know, which you know, probably why 
you know, the uh, county Giambra went after the sales tax. It's a very regressive tax. Property tax is more progressive. Um, and so, like, yeah, I mean, that, that is a major issue when you're talking about, like, urban economics. I mean, you know, it's and I, I don't know, like, you know, what the city financial shape is going to look like. You know, like, in the county in the early 2000s, it ended up being like, okay, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. Whoops, we have a $126 million gap. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, like, and all of a sudden it goes from, like, oh, everything's okay to total crisis, you know? We're like, okay, well, one of the ways we can possibly, like, uh, help balance this is if we just eliminate the entire sheriff's office, which, I mean, like, you know, Whoa. a lot of our, like, ACAT people are like, that's Let's fine. Let's go. Let's right, do yeah, it. Absolutely. Sign me up. But, like, you know, like, you know, I, uh, reducing, like, the sheriff's office a little bit, sure. that you know, I, I get that. But just eliminating road patrols the entire, like, entirely, well, first of all, like, by, like, the, the state constitution, the counties have an obligation to make sure that there, like, there's some sort of law enforcement that covers the, the rest of the, the, the county. You know, if you want to get into an argument or, like, a discussion about, like, whether or not, like, you know, we should consolidate, like, the individual towns that have their own police departments with the county sheriffs, the individual municipalities, and just have, a, like, like, a lot of states have, like, a county sheriff, and that's it. They don't have individual municipalities. That's a different argument. But, like, this was talking about, like, we'll just, we just won't have road patrols at all anymore. Dude. I mean, like the bill comes to, for me. It's like the bill comes due. Yep. Yeah, like the and, and it comes due with interest. Yep. So if the longer you let that debt just sit there and accumulate interest, the worse it's going to be. You think it's bad for the lowest income earners in the city of Buffalo now? Okay, well let it continue to accumulate interest. Think about this though, the, and and the and that worse your in, your interest rate gets, it means it's more expensive to borrow. Yes. So yep. when you're capital, when I'm fighting in capital budget for to, for Hank Noack Park and for all this infrastructure improvement, and I'm bidding out 100 grand worth of work, I, I we do that. And we have a bad credit rating. That park is now costing the taxpayers 130 thousand dollars when it could have cost 100 because of the interest rate. And, and you get you get into a problem where, like you, you try to like figure out ways to like shift things around. What, like so before the red green budget happened, like a year and a half before that, um, you know, in the Massiello administration, you know, before the hard control board came in as a way to try to raise revenue. The city temporarily sold all of its parks, with the exception of the Olmstead parks, to the county. Mm, I rem- yeah. The city of Buffalo is like checking its credit karma, and they were finally like at a decent well, score. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. if you make the payment, you can get over seven hundred. It's like, okay. Well, so let's talk, and then also let's talk about like the history in the city, a sense of that when we did have urban or, or suburban flight, and people were leaving uh, the city and leaving, you know, dilapidated properties and vacancy in parks and the city took all that you know we own a marina we're not in the we should not be in the marina business we do not have capital funds for for these things and and the city had to take it all on because there was so much abandonment and now you know we have to really refocus our our um our purpose of what can what services can we provide and can we maintain and that we can't afford so we do have to talk about cost sharing agreements we do have to talk about um, you know, who could take on deferred maintenance because these things are expensive and, and you can't expect a local municipality to, to be able to, 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 to have that, all that burden. Yeah. Huh. Right. No, I mean, that's, look, it, right. it's, it's going to be, like, Did as, I get too dirty on you guys. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's sufficiently nerdy. No. Yeah. I mean, oh, cause, like, you know, this gets back to like, you know, the realness of it, like in January, um, you've got a new council mm-hmm. and, um, you know, same comptroller, same mayor. Um, well, I mean, 
rumors of you know Buff State notwithstanding, same mayor, um, and it's going to be very concerning for you know, you know, the current mayor and also whoever's next because mm-hmm. like, it could be a know, tough job. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, people think like you know, oh well, once we got rid of the control board and it went soft, like it disappeared. No, it's still part of like, and the, we still pay for them just so you know, even though yeah, they went soft. Yeah, no, that's, that's I brought up to money people like the last couple of weeks. I was like, no, we're still paying a, a ton of money. Like eight hundred grand, nine hundred grand. Yeah, and we pay them to rent office space somewhere else when they should be renting space, vacant space in in city hall. Right, because I've been to city hall. There is a, there's a couple of offices that are vacant. There. Just a couple. There's a there's just a couple. <laughs> I mean, realistically, like, like speaking of like trying to raise revenue, like that would be something like it wouldn't be that hard fetched to reach out to like the county executive's office, and like the county has so many people renting office space other places and renting some out of the city hall, and like doing some sharing there. As opposed to yet another Carl, Pino, Carl Palladino contract for the county. Now he's hurting. Now, no, come on, now get Carl a little love here. You know? yeah, he's, as he's, we are wont to do on the show. Yeah, he's he's only hurting because like it, Imperial won't deliver to his house anymore. I bet they a thousand percent they do. <laughs> they do still hand deliver his pizza. <laughs> um, well, Mitch, it is always a pleasure to have you in the Snake Pit and to chop it up and have a couple brewskis. Care of Community Beer Works, our sponsor, CBW. Just drink it. Just that's, drink it. That's their, just do it. Just remember I made Channel Four. Just do it. Yeah. Just I got sassy. My grandma's like, you texted me. You're really sassy tonight, Mitchell. I was like, oh jeez. Uh, that's you. I did think earlier when you mentioned like, oh, your your parents live in the suburbs and like they oh, well coming downtown like. Man, I, we're in North Buffalo. Right. <laughs> yeah, like when I I lived on you know like on 17th Street off of Connecticut, my my father would be like, yeah, I want to come downtown. So I was like. I hope I see you because, like, I don't live downtown. Like, um, yeah, or like, I lived on Lancaster by the co-op, and he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna come downtown shortly." I was like, "All right, well, I asked you to come to my house." Yeah, so are we at Missouri Chow's or like, like, do I have to bring my own axe to throw, or like, you know, what's going on? I love the word downtown. I love downtown. Um, I only go to the movies downtown. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, downtown's gr- dude. Yeah, downtown's great. Like that area. It's a lot of fun. I was yeah. at Town Ballroom. Town Ballrooms, and that's downtown. How do I convince Gary to be a condo queen with me? I can't mow any more lawns. I can't spackle any more walls. Yeah. Being homeowners, tough. Dude, your neighborhood's nice, though. It is. It's beautiful. Your neighborhood is beautiful. You have a nice little area. I'm a little biased because my gym is right around the corner. I do see you at times doing lunges. You see me doing lunges. You see Ben Carlisle shirtless holding cats. <laughs> <laughs> you see it all over there, baby. Right from my front porch. And That's I'm a nosy right. neighbor. So I have coffee on my, on my porch because I, I will know what's going down yeah. on my street. Yeah, it's in, And I, as I'm over there because I, I have a friend who's like backyard, like basically abuts yours. Yeah. Cindy, love her. Yeah. And our, you know, also, let's just uh, hold this in, in, um, in memory of a. Uh, Allentown stalwart. My neighbor and Cindy's neighbor is Antique Man John Shepard. Mm. Yeah. John uh, John uh, passed away a few weeks ago and has a wonderful um, wife named May, who you know I've been I've been seeing and, and checking up on. And um, they were classic Allentowners um, who provided um, a wonderful space and and really was kind of like an urban legend of 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 uh, you know making Allentown funky. Yeah. Well. On that note, thanks again for a very feisty episode of the Square Pod. Thank you, Mitch Norkowski, for joining us. Thanks, of course, to Community Beer Works and to all of you for listening. And uh, Jim, 
Till next time. Yeah, I, I think till next time. I guess the one thing I'll, I'll just try to end on is, uh, Mitch, you've got a fundraiser coming up on the 25th, right? Pierogi for progress. Yeah, I, I know you're, you're not out here just to pitch your fundraiser, but you, you do have one coming up. So uh, you know, it's, a, it's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. Yeah, it's a, it's a Wednesday in, in the Broadway film artist. Filmware. Yeah. At a Miscavige Library, 5.30 to 7.30. God, I love that place. Yep. I love the library. It's great. So go, eat some pierogies. Have a good time. Yep. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks. thanks. With Let's Go Pills, I wanted to make a beer that was similar to the beers I grew up drinking in, in the tailgate. And I wanted a clear American lager that was crisp and, and just really sharp. It, it takes the classic American lager and, and we, we showcase craft ingredients made by locals, made by fans, uh, to be shared by fans. Bring community to all that you do and good things happen.